tonight, if you'd please stand with me, take your hymnal, turn to hymn number 178. Hymn number 178. We're going to sing all four verses of Have You Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Each moment in the crucified, are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow, washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, and you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your souls be ready for the mansion's bride, washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. Wonderful start. What a blessing tonight. Well, uh, for some of you, it's good evening, and some of you that came in, it's good morning. Amen. And uh, had a good power nap and uh, got that hour back. And so good to be in God's uh, house tonight. Of course, we have a baptism tonight after the service. And uh, Josh Kennedy, I've already heard somebody was trying to bribe him to cannonball the pastor with a jar of pickles. Amen. Brother Waters is back there raising his hand. But let me just warn you what happens when you make fun of the man of God. All right. That's what happened to Elisha. Making fun of the bald man, and the bear came out and ate all the kids, so you might want to be careful about that cannonballing thing there, amen, so I'm not saying a bear's going to come out, but the preacher may drown you, amen, so amen, no, excited about that, sure thankful for that, what a blessing to watch these kids follow the Lord, amen, and good stuff tonight, so let's pray, ask God's blessing on our service tonight as we're in the life of Joshua, I'm going to ask Brother David Griffin if you'd pray for us tonight, brother, and open.
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I don't know about you, but I couldn't help but driving in, still thinking about the message this morning. Amen. And uh, just amazing to be in the hand of Christ, and His hand is in the Father's hand. It's good to be saved. Amen. And uh, that never uh, changes, and so what a blessing. Well, I did want to mention just a few things uh, tonight, and then we actually have some business to handle, and I realize we got uh, visitors here and things like that tonight, but we do got to get uh, a couple of things uh, taken care of. But again, I just wanted to mention, it looks like uh, all the sign-up sheet stuff for the youth rally has been taken uh, care of, and so praise the Lord uh, for that. And so did, again, just want to mention this coming Friday night, uh, be hosting the uh, area-wide youth rally, and so we will have uh, several uh, churches coming in from, uh, you know, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, and so excited about hosting them, and so pray for Brother Jason Jett. He's going to be our guest uh, preacher and just a dear man of God, and uh, excited about what uh, God uh, has for him and as far as the message, and so pray for that. Also pray uh, for Glory Bound uh, out of Heartland Baptist Bible College. They will be with us uh, as well, providing uh, some special music. And then, of course, Glory Bound be staying through uh, the weekend and pre- uh, be here with us on Sunday. And so they'll be doing uh, some singing, uh, some special music during Sunday school. We'll have a combined adults uh, and teen uh, Sunday school class upstairs here. And one of the students, uh, one of the young men, will be teaching our Sunday school class. And then Brother Jamie Jett, uh, who is Brother Jason Jett's dad, uh, is a long time, has, has been a pastor as well as a longtime dean of students there at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And so he's going to be preaching in the morning service. And so just looking forward to a great weekend in the Lord. I want to invite you to be a part of all of that. You can st- come, please come to the youth rally. Our young people, uh, you know, and not just ours, but other churches need to see faithful servants here. Amen. And, uh, and it's good to just be a part of the meeting and, and watch our young people have a great time, but also to have a great time in the Lord. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also wanted to mention some other things that are coming up in April. April the 1st, it will, we will be having a church-wide outreach, and that will be at 1030 in the morning on Saturday. April the 2nd, there's a teen activity, but I wanted to mention this specifically. April the 4th is on a Tuesday night, that week of Easter, and so Faith Baptist Church, we will be meeting together to observe the Lord's Supper, and that will be at 7 o'clock Tuesday night, and then Wednesday, that Wednesday night, following that, we will still have our normal services, and so again, make sure that you're uh, uh, certainly in both of those things, uh, and then April the 9th, is Easter Sunday, and our choir has been working on an Easter cantata, and so they're going to be doing that uh, for our resurrection services that Sunday morning. And then April the 12th through the 16th is our missions conference, and I wanted to mention uh, this uh, as well, is that we're, uh, Wednesday night we'll have a, a little uh, basket out in the outer foyer, and that's going to be for gift cards. We've done this the last uh, couple of years, and it's ended up being a blessing but the idea is this, is that when we have these guests come in, we don't want them using their money for our expense. They're here to be a blessing to us. We want to be a blessing to them. And so if we could just maybe get them some gift cards, maybe some things like coffee or Chick-fil-A or, you, you know, what, whatever the case may be, just, you know, there's going to be some days where um, they're, they're going to have some free time and be able to enjoy uh, the Kansas City area. And so if we could get 
some gift cards and, and things like that. Maybe you want to get them something from the, what is it, the Roastery, I think it is. That's a, a pretty cool uh, coffee shop here that's uh, local in Kansas City area. Uh, I had some donuts uh, yesterday, Lamar Donuts. Something, if you get a gift card for that, make sure you get one for the, no, I'm just kidding. That's the last thing I need is more donuts, amen. Uh, but anyways, I did want to mention this. Uh, we're we're going to have uh, basically five families represented. Now, one of those is ours, all right, Jack and Lizzie Parker, since they're going to be here uh, throughout much of the conference, we're going to have them be a part of it. Now, they're going to officially be missionaries in, mission, in a missions conference down the road before they go to Japan, all right, but since they're here, all right. And then, of course, we have the Glazemans here with us, and, and, uh, and, and, but we want to, listen, they're, they're, you know, we want to be a blessing to all of them, amen. And so we are also going to have uh, Brother Chad Del Hotal on uh, his family. They're going to plant a church in Santa Barbara, California. He's already planted a church in Illinois. So excited about this family. And then also the Shane Dice family going to England. And then Brother Scott uh, Nail and his wife, Miss Dina, is going to be here. Uh, and he'll be preaching uh, the missions conference. And Lord's actually used him to plant uh, two different churches as well. And so I'm, I'm excited about all this church planting stuff. Amen. Because we still need to be planting churches. Amen. So I just wanted to mention those things. And then, of course, ladies, don't forget about their stuff for the ladies retreat out there, as well as some things uh, for the missions conference. All right, really quick, I got two things I need to deal with tonight business-wise. The first thing is this, and I touched on this Wednesday night as I was reading the financial uh, statements. Um, But as many of you know, we are remodeling our missions house over there. And we are kind of getting down to... Uh, the last bit of, we're getting down to the last bit of work that's going on over there, but we're also getting down to the last bit of money over there. And what I'd, I don't want to see that account being completely emptied. I, I'm a big fan of emergency funds, all right? But the other thing that needs to be done is that there needs to be appliances uh, bought and, and put in and installed. There needs to be furniture bought and then put in and, and installed. And so we need to basically furnish the house. And what I'd like to do is bring it before the church tonight. And please know my heart on this. I, I don't want junk. I don't. I want to put nice stuff in there, good stuff, new stuff. I Don't come to me after church tonight and go, well, preacher, we've had this washing machine been sitting out in our front lawn. We're trying to give it away. Would you all want to put it in the No. We don't want junk. Here's what you do. Sell it on Facebook Marketplace and then give, put the money in the account. Amen. So that's our, that, can, that might be our theme for next year. Faith Baptist Church don't do no junk. Amen. So, all right. But I, I just don't want to do that. If you've been over to that mission's house and you look inside, you will understand. We don't want to put junk in there. Everything is basically brand new. New flooring, new carpets going in Tuesday, new cabinets, countertops, new paint, sheetrock. I mean, it's incredible over there. And so if we're going to do it and we're going to host a family, I know the Parkers are going to be using it as their home base. I would like to see us get some nice stuff to put in over there and and for it to be upkept and, and things like that. So what I'd like to do is to bring it before the church tonight. We feel like that we would probably be able to do most everything that we need to do uh, and we can, and basically what I'd like to do is to take, you know, we read, I read our account, our general budget, uh, we've got 40, we're up to, you know, we ended the last month at 47,000 and some change in the general budget. And so what I'd like to do is to take about 10 to $15,000 of that and to make sure that we can purchase the appliances that we need 
and, and the furniture that we need and to get that thing furnished and, and ready to go uh, for certainly the Parkers as they move in over there and use that as their home base, but for even in the future as we get uh, missionaries and things like that. So if you're a member of Faith Baptist Church tonight, I want to ask you if that'd be okay if we do that, and if you're in agreement with that, would you lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Is there any opposed in here? And, and that would certainly be like sign. But I just, uh, you know, I don't want to sit up here and us take 15 offerings to try to raise the money. We've got the money in the general fund. Let's go ahead and do that. But I do want to encourage you, if you'd like to continue to give towards that, uh, please do so. And make sure that you just fill out an envelope and put in their missions house. And we'll make sure that the money gets into that account. But we certainly want to finish that house and get it done. Uh, the goal is... Uh, this is the other thing that I'd like to do, um, and I'll just go ahead, and, and, and this, is, this wasn't even on my list, but, you know, the Lord's bringing it to mind, so we're going to deal with it tonight. The other thing that I'd like to do, and I've already said this to the church, but we haven't really publicly made a decision on it, but I would like to name it the, the Howard and Eleanor Quinlan Missions House. And we'd like to dedicate it the Sunday night of our missions conference. Now, the things that have been going on in the background has been we've got a nice plaque like we do for Brother E.J. Watson over in the gymnasium that we're going to put in the house. The other thing that we've done is that Brother Quinlan wrote the Ten Commandments for a foreign missionary, and they are really good. And so we've got it kind of in the works to kind of have it on a canvas and have that hung up in the house as well. And so that's going to really look good. So if you'd be willing to name the house, the Howard and Eleanor, Minlin, Howard and Eleanor Quinlan Missions House, would you lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Amen. I love these guys coming in the back going, hey, man. That's awesome. All right, now here's the third thing, and I'm through tonight. Brother Alan Quinlan has been serving as a deacon of our church um, for several years. And in the last couple of years, he has stepped in and, and filled in for serving as a treasure of our church as well. And really, the Lord's kind of impressed on me the last couple of weeks to have somebody come in and, and serve in that, and, and that man's name is Brother Matt Whitney. And I just feel like he would be a good guy to do that. I mean, he is a uh, banker anyway, so, I mean, it just seems appropriate. And what I'd like to do tonight is to bring that before the church, because I don't want to wait until December when we have our annual business meeting to deal with that, when we could go ahead and get him plugged in now and to do that. And according to our bylaws, we can go ahead and vote on that. And so I want to bring that before the church tonight. Brother Matt and his family have been a blessing. Uh, Miss Amy has been a bigger blessing than Brother Matt. Amen. Amen, Brother Matt. Amen. No, their family is just, uh, their family has been a blessing, and I believe Brother Matt um, is just one of the core men of this church, uh, like many of you men that are out there, and, um, and I just, I think it would be good to have him serve as treasurer of our church, and so all those willing to do that, would you just lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen, and that's a blessing out there. All right, we've got those uh, things covered, so I'm going to have Brother Tim. Come and lead us in a song, and make sure to give our piano player, Miss Christy, a hard time. It's her birthday. Amen. It's amazing that she's still playing the piano at her age. Amen. Hey, if you know her, you know she deserves all. All right, go ahead and stand with me. Turn to hymn number 298. Hymn number 298 will sing all three verses of Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. 
had wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made. When as a sinner I came, took of the offer of grace, he did proffer, he saved me, oh praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away. And my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I have a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day When at the cross I believe Blessed eternal and blessing supernal His precious hand I receive Heaven came down and glory filled my soul When at the cross the Savior made me My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Amen. Brother Ethan Whitney, would you pray for the offering this evening? Amen. You may be seated.
Stand me one last stand with me one last time. We'll turn to hymn number 656. Hymn number 656. We'll sing the first, the third, and the fourth verses of This World Is Not My Home. Join with me on that first verse. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I won't have long to stay, my work is nearly done. I'm happy now to say my race is almost run. So long my eyes have set on heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. You may be seated. This time we'll have a special from the Wisdom family. Justified freely forever 
is coming again, amen. And what a blessing, sure thankful for that family. And I do hope Miss Christie has a wonderful 29th birthday again, amen. So, amen. Just don't lick any of my mints and put them back in here, all right. So, so she's a prankster, man, amen. It's a blessing. It's kind of like somebody said, if they didn't pick on you, that means they don't like you. Not Miss Christie likes us a lot, amen. So, Joshua in chapter number 13 tonight, and uh, let's all stand and, and, and uh, turn there if you're able to, if you're able to tonight uh, in honor of God's Word, let's stand and Joshua in chapter uh, number 13. Now, <clears throat> we did finish uh, chapter number 11 uh, last week, and I do realize 12 comes after 11, all right, uh, but uh, it kind of has a, a summary, if you will, of of the great victories of, of Joshua throughout the land of, of Canaan. And if you remember, we, we looked at that, and, and uh, certainly there were some wonderful lessons on that, on basically how to have victory in your life. Victory comes when you just faithfully obey God. And, and certainly we learned also that victory doesn't happen overnight. And then lastly, we learned this, that victory can happen no matter your enemies. And Joshua uh, defeated the sons of Anak, which were the giants of the land. And be a fact, if you're in your Bible reading right now, according to the Bible reading calendar, then these were the ones that caused the evil report of the ten spies. All right, but Joshua and Caleb knew God was greater than any, any enemy, and guess what? They were right. All right, so, but now we come to chapter number 13, and the reason we're jumping from 11 to 13 is that if you read chapter number 12, it's basically a list of all of the kings of Moses, or all of the kings that Moses and Joshua defeated in the land of Canaan. But now we come to chapter number 13 and we begin to see something else from the life of Joshua. Notice in verse number 1, the Bible says this, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. You know what that means? That means you are old and stricken in years. Amen. And notice it goes on down and says, And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth. All the borders of the Philistines and all the and all uh, Geshuri and from Sihor, which is for, uh, before Egypt, even under the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to the Canaanite, Five lords of the Philistines, the Gazathites, and the Ashtathites, and, and the Eshkelonites, and the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites. Now that's all the ites in the land right there, amen. Now look at verse number four. From the south, all the land of the Canaanites, Merar, uh, Merara, and that is beside the Sidonites, unto Aphek, to the borders of the Amorites. And if I'm mispronouncing the names, you don't need to worry about that. And notice in verse number 5, the land of the Gibeonites and all Lebanon toward the sun rising from Baal-gad under Mount Hermon, under the entering uh, into Hamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon under Misroth, under Misrephoth Mayim, and all the Sidonians, them will I drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot unto the Israelites for an inheritance, as I have commanded thee. Now therefore divide this land for an inheritance unto the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Anasseh, with whom the Reubenites and the Gadites have received their inheritance, which Moses gave them. 
beyond Jordan, eastward, even as Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. And we're going to stop reading there. I realize the punctuation continues on down as it begins to list more of the land. But I want you to go back to verse number 1. And I want you to notice the end of the verse. It says this, and this is God talking to Joshua, and here's what he says. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And what I would say to you tonight is this, is that God's coming here to Joshua, and he's basically saying this. There's still work to be done. And I want to say to you tonight, Faith Baptist Church, there's still work to be done. All right, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Joshua is now old. All right, the Bible says that. We're not just being mean. All right, the main conquering of Canaan has been completed. However, there is still much work to be done. Joshua's work is going to change considerably. All right, he is no longer to be involved in military adventures, but now he would be involved in the administration of the nation of Israel. The old general is now going to change over to the governor. But here's the point. He's still going to be involved in the work because there is much work to be done. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight. Brother Pete Montoro certainly came to my mind as I was thinking about this and this message tonight, but Brother Pete Montoro started the Open Door Bible Baptist Church in 1992 in Astoria, New York, which is basically a suburb of New York City. And if you've been to Heartland Baptist Bible College, then you probably met Brother Montoro of one of their 17,000 kids, amen? I don't... I think they've got like 15 or something, 12 or something, 9, I'm going down. Anyways, but you've probably met one of their kids or, or both. And, and we both uh, serve there on, on the board at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And Brother Pete is a blessing. He's a faithful uh, man of God. But he's given this testimony on several uh, occasions and uh, there were about an old preacher that their family became acquainted with when they first moved uh, to New York and started the church. And eventually, as the years uh, begin to pass, the man got sick and was on his deathbed there in the hospital. And so Brother Pete and his sons went by to see him. And as they concluded their visit and were getting ready to head out, and he always says it like this, the old preacher leaned up in his bed and looked over at him and his sons and, and looked at his sons and, said, Bo- and says, boys, there's still a lot of work to be done. And then, of course, Brother Pete, just, that just rang home with him, and he went back uh, to his wife, and they actually composed a song based upon that uh, that they have sang on several occasions. That I, and I mean, it, and it's a, great, it's a great song, but the idea is to say this, that that's exactly what Joshua, or God rather, is saying to Joshua in the text tonight, that there is much work that still uh, needs to be done. And, and I want to say to you tonight, that this applies to us as well. Uh, whether it be us personally tonight as individuals and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, or even corporately tonight as a church body, let me say this to you tonight, no matter where you are at in your spiritual life, there is still growth that, that needs to be done, and there are still victories that need to be won. You, you understand that? Even if you, listen, you, you might sit here tonight and say, Preacher, I... I've been saved for a multitude of years. Doesn't really matter. 
I, I want to say to you tonight, even if you're the pastor, there's still growth that needs to take place. There's still victories that, that need to be won. And let me say this tonight. Yes, I, I do. I want God to challenge me constantly from His Word to grow uh, in my faith. And, and I want God to work in my life to grow uh, my faith. And now, listen, let me warn you tonight. When you say things like that, you may not realize what you're asking for because I'm just telling you this. It may, it may take the flooding of a fellowship hall, but God will grow your faith. You understand what I'm saying? I, I just, but I, I do. I, I want that. And yes, there is always work to be done as a church body tonight. Our city needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said our city needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that tonight. You understand? They, and I'm just telling you, we our souls need to be saved. Communities around us need to be uh, reached. Missions, conferences need to take place. Youth rallies need to happen. Vacation Bible schools, outreach, and, and so on. And yes, even buildings need to be remodeled. All right? But in other words, there is, there is still much work that needs to be done. In our text tonight, Joshua gives us Really what I would say is a picture of a seasoned, uh, victorious uh, Christian. He has, been, he has been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, which is a picture of salvation. And, and by the way, just as Israel was brought out by the mighty hand of God, we are saved tonight by the mighty hand of God. All right, we, we are not, listen, it's by faith and it's not of works, it's not baptisms tonight, this Young man that's going to be baptized tonight, he, he's not going to be saved tonight. He's already called upon the Lord and been saved by grace through faith. And tonight is just going to be a public testimony of what's already been done in his heart and in his life. All right, so we understand that tonight. And really that's the picture that you get from Joshua and the people of Israel. But let me also say this, not only has he been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, but he has also defeated his major enemies. He has won some major battles with things like the southern campaign and the northern campaign. And when, as we studied it out, we began to see the picture there that the southern campaign represents the flesh and the northern campaign represents the battles of the mind. And Joshua has gotten victory over both of those. And he is now living in peace. He is now living in victory. His position is obviously going to change from general to governor and he is now going to be used to help the rest of Israel to have victory in their lives and in their lands as well. And as I begin to think about that, and I begin to think about how Joshua is transitioning into this, the truth of the matter is it makes sense when you think about it. Because here's the thing. You don't stick someone who's just gotten saved in the Sunday school class to, to teach. You, you know, now, I, I realize they're... There have certainly been unusual circumstances in my day and time where I've seen Sunday school teachers get saved. All right? But, but outside of that, normally speaking, you just don't take someone off the street and give them a great res uh, spiritual responsibility. And, and, and here's the thing tonight. It's not that we don't want people to serve the Lord, but it's simply to say this. They're not ready for that yet. They're not equipped for that yet. Listen, they, they're not able to show someone else how to, how to walk with God and how to have victory in their life if they haven't had victory in their own life. 
And, and so we understand that. And by the way, even the Lord Jesus Christ taught that and showed us that, listen, we've got to be faithful over the little things before we can expect to be faithful in the bigger things. You understand? Listen, don't, don't, come to, don't come to me complaining that you're not teaching a Sunday school class when you're not here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night either. Listen, you need to be faithful to the things that God has already said for you to do. And when you're faithful in those things, that's when God begins to exalt you and put you over bigger things in your life. Somebody say amen tonight. I'm just telling you, you even look at the life of Paul and you can see that as well. Paul didn't jump right into the mission field. I mean, think about it. He spent several years training for the ministry in Damascus and then in the church at Antioch. In fact, when he left with Barnabas on their first missionary trip out of the church at Antioch in Acts 13, if you'll study it out over and over again, here's what it says, Barnabas and Saul. It doesn't say Saul and Barnabas. All right, Barnabas was the one in charge because ultimately he was the one that had more experience in pastoring and, and starting the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11. But let me also say this, eventually it did become Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas. Eventually it did. Listen, eventually, eventually it became Paul and Silas. You, you understand? See, what I'm saying to you is this, is that eventually folks who were faithful in the little things became victorious in their life and they went on to bigger things, and this is where Joshua is at in his life. And what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, it's a good thing because here's the thing, there's still work to be done. But this is what I begin to see. That in order for more, of, more work to be done, for, in order for him to accomplish the work that God now had for him, Joshua had to see a couple of things in a different light. And, and that's what I want to show you tonight because I, I believe this. There's much work for us to do, but in order for us to accomplish what God wants us to do, I think we need to see these two things as well. Let me just, let me just give you these things tonight. Go down to verse number 1. We already read this, but let me show you something here. It says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Look, can I say to you tonight, I believe this. I believe the way that God approached Joshua here, in the way that the terminology is given, I believe Joshua needed to realize the value of time. Does that make sense? See, by now, I mean, listen, Joshua, it's pretty obvious. He's getting up in years. He's no longer the young man, uh, he, but, but though he was old, you've you got to understand this, he's not, it's not the idea here of a picture of a guy that's, that's, that's wobbly and, and feeble. The, the phrase stricken in years doesn't mean that he's, he's sickly or, or frail. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but it's not, God's not visiting him when he's here in the nursing home, all right? And he's on his last breath of life. That, that's not the idea here, all right? The, the phrase here, stricken in years, the word stricken means this, to be advanced in age. And so old and stricken is simply a repetitious phrase to emphasize Joshua's growing age in the sense that he's getting older. And what's bad is this, is that when the Bible declares it and God says it again, that just means this, you're old. There's no, listen, there's no... There's no change in your age, you know, your birth date on Facebook. All right, I won't mention any names, but her initials are Natalie Stewart. Amen. 
she's done this. I, this is hilarious. This is the joke. But anyway, she kept changing her birth date uh, to say that she was 29 until Facebook stopped letting her change her birth date. So now I'm like, well, you got a few years off, but you're stuck with that, all right? So, but here's the thing, doesn't, doesn't matter about stuff. Well, I don't celebrate birthdays anymore. Well, it really don't matter. And well, you know, well, you know, preacher, 70 is the new 50. Well, that's fine if you want to think that, but I'm just telling you, when God says you are old and stricken in years, you are old and stricken in years. Some of you need to laugh a little bit, all right? It's... But here's the question that certainly that comes to my mind. Well, okay, so how old was Joshua? Well, since the spying out of the land back in Numbers 13, only two men out of that group were allowed to enter into Canaan. Joshua and Caleb. <clears throat> okay? And they wandered in the desert for 40 years. The Scripture doesn't say exactly how old Joshua was here, but I do know this, that in chapter 24, in verse number 29, he dies at the ripe young age of 110. And so it is suggested by commentators here that he may have been in his 90s or, or, even, a pa- or even past uh, the 100-year mark uh, right here. But now, let's, let's be clear on something here. When God shows up, and he says, thou art old and stricken in years. All right? And then he says this, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. I believe this, when God shows up here to basically say that there's work that still needs to be done, God isn't saying that Joshua was being lazy and doing nothing. All right? I, I really believe that, listen, that's not our man Joshua at all. All right? But, but it may have been, all right, it may have been, that he wasn't focused on the right things. Temporal things versus the calling that God had had on his life to fully possess the land. And so the point is this, is that God's showing up here and and saying the things that he does, that you are old and stricken in years, but yet there's still much work to do. What he's saying is this, is that Joshua, you've got to realize the value of time that's left in your life. And, and I think that this is something that, that needs to be brought to our attention as well. Because I believe this, one of the greatest failures of stewardship today, and especially among God's people, is the failure to be faithful with the time God has given us. We hear much on stewardship and tithing of money, but let me tell you something, time is something you'll never get back. And we all, listen, I, I would venture to say there are people that are not say, well, if I just had more time, we all want more time. I get it, but that's not the reality. You get 24 hours in a day unless you're springing forward. Then you got 23. But I guess we'll get it again in the fall. <laughs> but you understand, listen, I, so here's the thing. It's not about, please listen to this. It's not about getting more time because you're not going to get it. And it's not about, well, I don't have enough time. No, it's about prioritizing the time that you have and learning to be a faithful steward over it. And the way you learn to be a faithful steward over that is by understanding the value of it. Please listen to this because this is going to get pretty deep and it's probably going to get pretty convicting. 
But you need to listen to this, and let me point out a couple of things here. Like Joshua in the text, older saints need to realize how little time they have left. And with that little time, you need to use it for the glory of Almighty God. Let me say that again because you feel like the air got sucked out of the room. Because I get it. We don't want to talk about it. But we need to talk about it. Let's have a little pastoral church chat tonight. I'm just telling you, most people don't, but it's reality. And it's, and it's certainly the idea here as God approaches Joshua about the work that still needs to be done. And again, Joshua's not, he's not saying Joshua's lazy. He's saying this, Joshua... You don't have much time left. And there's work that has, there has it's got to be done. And what I have found in, is this, is that the two excuses that people often use as to why they're not serving God, and, and, and even as, a, as an older saint, it's confronted right here in Joshua's life. Let, let me help you with a couple of things. See, most older saints stop serving the Lord Because they say this, they can no longer do the things that they used to be able to do. And I get it, but do you notice Joshua in our text? He is changing over from general to governor. Well, why? Because he can no longer do the things that he used to be able to do. But that doesn't mean he can do nothing It simply means God can use him to do other things. And many times, even in Joshua's case, I believe this, it's greater things. And I'm just telling you tonight, things of necessity. Listen, listen to this. Israel needed, needed a leader, not, not, listen, not, not to fight with them, but to encourage them to fight and teach them how, how to fight. And I'm just saying to you tonight, there may be a bunch of things that you're thinking about tonight that you used to do for God or used to be able to do. Well, I used to teach Sunday school. I used to go out door knocking. I used to go on visitation. I used to work in the bus ministry. And now you're doing, you're doing good to walk from the parking lot to the pew. Don't look at me tonight like that ain't true because I heard some of you walking in. And I'm not talking about you talking. I'm talking about bones creaking and moans and groans. Oh, oh, I get it. I, sometimes I'm there, unfortunately. But I listen, but I, and, and listen, and I, and I want you to listen to this tonight. I believe, I, listen, I understand those things, and I believe this. I believe God understands those things. And I, listen, our physical bodies give out, and sometimes even the medicine people are on will mess you up. I'm telling you, you know, that's why you don't give the pastor Dayquil or NyQuil, right? But please catch this. Please listen to this tonight. You can still encourage people. You, you, can, still, you can still make a phone call. You, you, can still, you can still help with advice. And, and the list goes on and on. And please listen to me tonight. Don't you dare come to me and go, well, I guess all I can do now is pray for people, preacher. Don't you dare minimize the power of prayer tonight. Because I would say this, listen, please do pray. Because we need some people to make that their ministry tonight. We need, listen, I've heard the stories about 
Sister Elda fought, was one of the found charter members of this church. And, and the prayer life that she had, and you wanted to be on her good side because if she started praying against you, it wasn't good. But I'm just saying to you tonight, we need some more elder faults. All right. Some of you are like, this ain't, I don't like this. But it's Bible. Because here's something else. Where most people are thinking of retirement, Joshua's taking up a new job and responsibility and starting all over again. And the point is this, most of, most of God's people treat the things of God like they treat a secular job. And as they retire from their work, they also begin to step away from serving the Lord. Well, let the young people do it. Well, maybe the young people need to see you do it so that they can learn how to do it the right way. And I've even people say, listen, I've seen people do this. Well, preacher, we raised our kids in church, and so now that they're grown up and moved out, we're done. And I, listen, I've seen them stop coming to church altogether. And I'm thinking to myself, so don't you think they're still watching you? And it's, listen, and it's absolutely crazy the way people the way people think today and their mindset about, about the things of God. And, and it's, it's treated very, very secularly. But what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. That's not what you find from the life of Joshua. And so what, I'm, what I want to challenge you with is this, is that we need to realize how precious and valuable time is and to use what we have left for God. Use it for God. I, I can rem- I remember I remember when I was on staff at Berean Baptist Church and I was bivocational. I was still welding there and, and was the youth director there. And I remember I remember when Jim and Marie Strickland, missionaries to Brazil, when they retired and they moved back to Springfield and they started attending Berean Baptist Church and, and they eventually they, they joined the church. I, I remember I remember uh, I remember a group of men, we were getting ready, we were gathering together on a Friday afternoon, and we were going to be driving to um, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma to go to the men's advance there, Brother Wayne Hardy's church and Bible Baptist church there in Stillwater. And I remember Brother Strickland was, was already on the bus, and then I got there uh, and w- with a couple of other men, and we kind of got there early, and I remember going in on the coach or the bus or whatever it was and putting my stuff on there. And, and walking in, and there was Brother Strickland, and he was already sitting in a seat, and he was reading a book, and here was the title of the book, You Can Teach an Old Dog New Tricks. <laughs> and I thought, that is awesome. And I love that, and I thought, man, I will never forget that. Because here was their mentality. They said this, they said, they, they said and I remember when they joined the church, they wrote like a little a note or something like that, and, and I can't remember if it was Brother Fred Reemsnyder or Pastor Abels, whoever read it, but the idea was this, is that we're retiring from the mission field, but we're not retiring from the things of God. And, and this was what they said, and, the, and they read a letter, and, and the letter kind of went like this, that we're rounding, they used a baseball analogy, and, and they said this, that we're rounding, you know, we've rounded third base and we're headed to home, but we're not interested in slowing down and crawling in to touch the plate. We want to come in running as hard as we can, and sliding head first like Pete Rose. Now, if you don't know who Pete Rose is, you better get some things straight. But I'm just saying to you, that was their, 
that was their mentality and that was their thinking. And I was thinking, that is a great testimony. That Listen, they were, what they were saying is this. We understand the value of time. And we realize we don't have very much longer left on this earth. And so with what time we've got, we want to serve God to the best of our ability and live for God and walk with God and be used of God where He can use us. And by the way, they did. Brother Jim Strickland was out on a Saturday afternoon door knocking in Arizona. And as he was preaching on a Sunday morning, the Lord called him home. Died in the pulpit. Now, I realize that can be very traumatizing for the people in the pew, but if you're a man of God, that's the way you want to go out. So I'm just saying to you, if I ever die in the pulpit, don't start crying and freaking out. Just go, well, that was awesome. Roll me up, listen, roll me up in carpet and carry me out the back like Ananias and Sapphira, I guess. I don't know. Amen. Don't bury me next to the septic tank out here in the field, though. Amen. Some of you were already thinking that. In Psalm 90, verse number 12, I want to invite you to just hold your place there in Joshua and turn there. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, I'm going to bury him alive in that septic tank out there. Psalm 90 and verse number 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now go back up to verse number one and see who the author of the psalm is. It's Moses. Huh. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he penned this psalm, certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I believe this, what he's saying in verse number 12 is this, I've learned the value of time. And others need to learn it too. And Use what you have left to serve the Lord. And it may be in a different capacity tonight, But I'll promise you this, when it's all said and done and you breathe your last breath on this earth, you won't regret what you're using up, what you had for God. Now let me tell you the second thing tonight. This doesn't just apply to the older saints. And some of the older saints are going, all right, he's moving on. Listen, I understand that, but I'm just telling you, but, but here's the thing, this, and it doesn't just apply to the older saints. There is also a huge application here to the younger saints, the younger generation, to also learn the value of time. The Bible says, listen, and, and you and I know this tonight, but James tells us that our life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Now, I'm just telling you right now, when I was in my 20s, I thought I'm going to live forever. In fact, I kind of thought it till I was up in my early 30s. But now that I'm in my late 40s, I know that's not a reality. <laughs> this verse be true. I can remember when I was about to turn 21 years old, and I was so excited. I'm going to be 21 years old. This is going to be awesome. 
And I remember a guy that I was working with who was much older than me pulled me off to the side and said, Hey, stop wishing your life away. And he said this, he said, It seems like it takes forever to get to, for you to get to age 21, but 21 to 40 will go by, go by like the blink of an eye. And I thought, whatever. And now I'm 47 and I went, he's right. <laughs> While older saints tend to waste what time they have left with faulty mindsets and excuses, younger saints tend to waste their time with temporal things. And again, this, this may have also been what Joshua was doing here when God showed up on the scene in verse number 1. Perhaps he got too focused on his own land and setting up his house and his vineyards and his, and his farms. But this too usually is what keeps the younger crowd from fulfilling the, what, the much work that's left to, to be done. I, listen, I want to tell you something tonight. I am thankful for the liberty that we have in America, but you better understand this, the devil is using it to his advantage. And American Christians are now tempted at every level of their life to live for that which is temporal. And things, listen, things like being in church and faithful and growing in your faith and serving God, listen to me, that requires time. It requires time. But yet, it is, I'm telling you, it's competed on, it is competed with, uh, it is competed with the world and for us to live for temporal things. And I'm just trying to share with you my heart tonight because this is my heart. It is frustrating to watch as a pastor. It, it really is. I have spent my life trying to encourage young people, uh, young adults, young married couples to put Christ first in their life, to, to live for God. Because I'm telling you, listen, but here's the thing. There is so much stuff that the world is coming at with people, it's ridiculous. Football games? This, this is what happens. Somebody calls and schedules you in February to go preach somewhere. All right, I want to go and be a blessing there. And then you're like, man, I hope the Chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl. You know why? Because this is what I'm thinking. Because God's people are going to forsake the things of God and go watch a stinking football game. Because that's the competition that's out there. And if it's not that, it's some other concert or entertainment or, or some kids thing. Or, or listen, and by the way, COVID, I'm telling you, all, it need, all some of them needed was COVID to come in and give them, a, give them an excuse not to be in the house of God. And they jumped on it. I'm telling you, they jumped on it. But they'll sure go to Walmart. And they'll sure go to restaurants and everything else under the sun, but can't be faithful to the house of God. And I'm not trying to vent tonight or any of those things. I'm just simply saying this, that all of this stuff is coming at the people of God. And it's tempting us away from the more important things that God wants us to do for His honor and His glory. And think about how much time we spend chasing after those things. The things that probably Joshua was working on, career and money and houses and cars, and the list goes on and on. And I'm just telling you, a life lived for these things as opposed to the things of God 
You may not like this tonight, but biblically speaking, it's true. It's a wasted life. It's a wasted life. Because here's what I know. You ain't taking it with you. And here's what else I know. You're not going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and be rewarded with crowns because of how much money you put in your 401k or how big your house was or how cool your car was. We were These things, listen to me, and I, I get it. I get it. I need a job, Pastor. I got to have a house and a place to live and clothes and stuff. I get it. But those things were never meant to consume us. And to be our gods that we live for. They were never meant to do that. And the truth of the matter is, Christ needs to be preeminent in your life and in mine. Because He's the only one that really knows how to make life work. And I listen, I've, se- I've even seen people use family as an excuse. Their kids, well, well, preacher, you know, Sunday's my only day off. Well, good. Come to church with your family. Well, I just... Let me help you with that. Church was never meant to be in competition with your family. It was meant to complete your family. And I'll promise you this, because I've seen it. I have watched people over and over... Listen, I'm just telling you, I've been doing this stuff for 15 years, and I've I've had time enough in the ministry and pastoring, and, and I'm just talking about pastoring. I'm not even talking about youth ministry and surrender to preach and all that stuff. I'm telling you, I have watched it, well, surrender to preach in what, 2002, so 20 years? I have watched it. I have watched people live for the things of this world, and they raise their family and church, and they're carnal, and they got one foot in the house of God, and one foot in the, in the world out there, and they're trying to live for that, and trying to put on a little spiritual facade and all this stuff. And then they get to the end and their kids want nothing to do with the things of God. And there's all kinds of turmoil and divorce and heartache and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. And they go, man, man, I wish I would have lived for the things of God. And things would have been different. But here's what I know. I'm so grateful that one of the greatest decisions my family and I have ever made was this. Money ain't everything. And we begin to put Christ first in our life. And now we're watching our kids become young adults and watching them make spiritual decisions and follow God's will for their life. And I'm looking back and going this, man, I have zero zero regrets about that decision we made. I'm I'm just trying to help you tonight. Older generation, realize the value of time. But younger generation, you better realize the value of time too. And we better put God first in it. Now here's the second thing. I only got two points tonight. Good news. But we'll get there in about another hour. Look at verse number 7. He says, now therefore, this is the second thing that he says. He says, now therefore divide this land for an inheritance under the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. And he goes on down and talks about the Reubenites and the Gadites in verse number 8. But this is what I want to say to you tonight. See, Joshua not only needed to realize the, the value of time, but watch this. He needed to realize the power of delegation. And Joshua was now too old. He was just one man for the work that God's now saying that needs to be done. The instruction now is for the general to become the governor. Delegate, send the tribes out to inherit their own lands. Well, why? 
Because this is the work God had called them to. But also, listen to this, the children of Israel, they needed to learn to fight and have victory themselves. Why? Because Joshua's not going to be around forever. And you understand, watch this, the nation of Israel didn't need to be about one great man. It needed to be about a great people and a great God. You want to know why we need people to realize the value of time? It's because the work God has called us to do, I'm telling you, it can't be done by one person or even a handful of people. Can't be done. It needs to be accomplished by everyone. Listen to me, we need everyone involved in outreach. Well, I can't come. Yeah, but you can pray. We need, we need listen, we need everyone involved in Fellowship Hall Remodel. We, we, we need everyone involved in Vacation Bible School. Who does not want to be here at Vacation Bible School? You're an adult and you get to act like a kid. That's, one of my, that's my favorite week, man. I'm tell, I love Vacation Bible We need everyone to give to Faith Promise. You know what that's called? That's called delegation. Because it's not about one or a few people being great. It's about a church being great for a great God. And, we, and as we do this, watch this, two things need to be pointed out here. Please catch this. To the older saints like Joshua, listen to this, the younger saints need to see your example. Oh, come on, grab, please grab a hold of this tonight. Why do you think God told Joshua this? Why, why, why not pick somebody else? Why not go to somebody younger? Joshua, you're old and stricken in years, but there's much work to be done. Why why do you think God came to Joshua? It's because the younger generation needed the experience and the wisdom of the old general. They needed, listen to this, they needed to see Joshua go back into the tabernacle and pray. Get direction from God. They needed, needed, as they're going out, they needed Joshua to tell them the story of, of Jericho. Meeting with the captain of the host of the Lord, Jesus Christ. They needed needed Joshua, tell us about the southern campaign. And when you said, Lord, just make the day longer and the sun stood still. Tell us that story, Joshua. Well, back in my day. (laughs) They needed that. You know why? So that they would know that the same God who brought Joshua victory is the same God that can bring them victory. Please, please listen to this tonight. And it's going to get kind of rough here, but please listen to this. The older generation to the older generation tonight, and I don't know who you are, you'll, you can determine if you're old or not. All right, now if God said it, you know who you are. But let me, let me help you with this tonight. Listen to this. You need to be really careful about becoming too critical of the younger generation. Listen to this. Now listen to this. And, and here's why. Because one, criticism only creates a greater divide. Listen, they need, to, they, they need you. They, they need to hear your stories of victory. They, they need to see your example 
of, of praying and having God's power on your life. Because here's why. Because they, they're going to need that too. They're going to need to learn that. But here's the other reason. Listen, listen to this. Now listen. The younger generation is really, it's a reflection of the older generation. And if you start, listen, so before you start criticizing the younger generation, you might want to look in the mirror and check yourself. Because here's, here's what I wrote down, just some things that I wrote down. We can't get mad at the younger generation who wants to sit further and further back in church when that's where the older generation wants to be. Well, I just think the younger kids ought to sit up front. Why don't you start sitting up front? And some of you are like, well, because you get too loud. But I'm not too loud tonight. No, no, no. You want the kids to move up front and to hear the preaching of God's Word. Why don't you move up front and hear the preaching of God's Word? And we can't get mad at the younger generation who gives up so easily when we too get so easily offended about things or discouraged or insecure. You want, listen, you want the kids to be faithful, then you be faithful. And we can't get mad at the younger generation for never coming to the altar. Because I've seen some of the older generation never come to the altar. So here's what I know. If we're going to sit back and say the younger generation needs the preaching of God's Word and the younger generation needs to respond to God's Word and the younger generation needs to humble themselves and serve God and live for God, then why don't we do it? Why don't we be the example? Now listen, I'm, and please understand this tonight. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly at all. I'm trying to just give us some truth and some things maybe we need to be challenged on tonight. Whether it be about wasting our time that we have left or even some things like this about realizing that the younger generation in this church are watching us and we need to be the examples that we need to be. But let me help you with this because the younger generation, listen, you're not out of it either. Because the younger generation need to follow. Listen, God told Joshua to delegate and lead in the division of the land. And you know why? Please listen to this. Because God wasn't looking for someone else, a younger generation, to come in and rewrite how victories are won. He wasn't looking for someone with a cool new method or a so-called preference. No, friend, no. He, he, want, listen, he, he wanted it to be clear. Battles are won by faith and obedience to what God said in His Word. So Joshua, you delegate. Joshua, you show them. Younger generation, you do what the general said to do because now he's the governor. And the younger generation, the younger generation, you, you don't need a new version of the Scriptures. And you don't need new music. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, old hymns, or I'm not talking about hymns and songs and spiritual songs that can be written during our day and time. I'm talking about worldly, carnal music. You don't need that. You don't need lower dress standards. No, no, no. You, you simply need to follow the Joshua 
generation, the old paths. You know why? Because it works. And it leads to victory. So here's the message tonight, church. There's still work to be done. So very much work. But we got to get to this place where we stop with all our little personal innuendos and agendas and all this other nonsense. And we need everybody to be involved. And everybody on board. But that's going to take everybody setting aside excuses, mindsets, and realizing how little time we got left. And it may not be that you reach the end of your life. It may be that the Lord Jesus comes. But regardless, we got to realize the value of time tonight. Let's all stand.